You're listening to the Dad Whisperer Podcast with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, the place where you as a dad will gain more tools for your fathering toolbox and where moms and daughters are also invited to listen into the conversation. Now, here is your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dad Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield. I welcome you here. I'm excited that you're here. And I know that you are going to love listening into a powerful conversation today, which will be adding more tools to your fathering toolbox so that you can be the dad that your daughter needs. Well, you know the grid every week that guides the conversation, which is simply on your mark, get set, go. So dad, picture yourself standing there with other dads side by side, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach cheering you on and saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme, get set filling that in with stories and stats, and go is always your practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and even your sons into action this week. Well, today on the program, I have another amazing female guest joining me as a guest coach, if you will, and her name is Karis Snyder. She's an author, a speaker, a worship leader, a coach, and a podcaster. Okay, you can see why I invited her here because we have a lot in common. Karis has also written two books with powerful titles that I love. One is called The Anxiety Elephants for Tween Girls. She's also written Anxiety Elephants for Tween Boys. And you know which one we're going to focus on here today. So we'll talk about the tween girl time of life that a lot of dads say, I am lost. I don't have a playbook for this. And so Karis is going to help you better connect with your tween girls. And we'll define what ages that is so you're all in the know, dads. She's married and a mother to two adorable girls, 14 and 10. So she's right there in the trenches of mothering a daughter at this age. And I welcome you, Kara Snyder. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, well, we are going to be talking today about your book for tween girls. So On Your Mark is How Dads Can Conquer Anxiety Elephants with Their Tween Girls. Okay, got to start with the question. Get set here, Karis. What is an anxiety elephant? I get this question all the time. And if you're from the South and you like college football, no, it is not the Roll Tide Alabama elephant. I do want to throw that out there. What? They have an elephant as a mascot? Yes. I graduated from the University of Alabama. We have Big Al the elephant. Some of your listeners will know this 100%. I had no idea. Yes. So let's just get that out of the way. If any of the dads were like, okay, this girl... She is all about some Alabama football, which I am, but it has nothing to do with that at all. So that anxiety elephant, when I speak and when I share with crowds of all different ages, it is that visual of what the anxiety attack feels like on your chest. And so I use that, the the picture of elephants. Just imagine those elephants stomping up and down on your chest and there's nothing in your own strength you feel like that you can do to get them off of you. And so that is where that visual of anxiety elephants comes from. Okay, so weighty, heavy, intrusive. That's right. Pressure. Yes. Yes. All of those things. Well, I read up a little bit about your history and you have some personal experience around anxiety. So tell us more of your story. Absolutely. So about 12 years ago, anxiety and depression almost took my life. I was a master of the mask. 
my husband and I, we were leading worship at the time at our church. I had a successful business going on within my home. My daughter, who is 14 now, you mentioned her earlier. Uh-huh. She was two at the time living her best toddler life. You know what I mean? Like just just enjoying life. And I was being crushed by the weight of this anxiety and depression on the inside. And I hid it because I didn't think anyone would believe me or I was afraid of the rejection that I might experience because if I was transparent with you, I in those adult beginning adult years didn't think anxiety and depression was real. I was one of those adults who are leaders in the church who would say, but you just need to read your Bible more. Right. Right. You need to trust God more. Pray harder. Oh, I heard that too. Right. And And fear is not of God. That's right. So if you have fear, it's something on your part. It's on you. It's on you. That's right. And if I knew you really well, I would tell you, well, you just need to suck it up, buttercup. I can still picture faces of people that I said that to thinking that I was helping them, not Uh, realizing that, hey, this is very real. It is a hard struggle. And you are actually doing all of those things. But there's just more that you need. So in other words, you cannot say to someone who has anxiety, which is another way, dads, of saying you have big fear that you feel in your body. Your heart rate may go up. That's right. Pit out. You know, like you said. Yeah. Chest feels heavy and tight. Maybe nausea. Like there's usually a physiological response to anxiety or fear. But see, I'm older than you. I'm in my 60s. And I remember growing up where I even memorized a poem, Karis, that in sixth grade, fear is faith in Satan. Faith is fearing God. Ever see it that way? Does look rather odd. And I believed that my fear was a sin. And I had to hide it like you, which is why you are giving such a gift to dads today that that maybe gives them a language for understanding what their daughters are going through. That's right. Because what I was doing, not realizing it, I was dismissing it in people's lives. I was dismissing their hurt, dismissing their pain, and causing them to feel like they had to hide it. Yeah, shame, shame. around their That's right. uncontrollable response exactly. to stressors. That's right. And so I realized that once I found my own self there and you know for me it moved into this place where I just began to dread getting up every day I dreaded life I felt purposeless hopeless useless and when I bottomed out I thought I'm not needed here everyone would be better off without me so you were suicidal yes I had those thoughts and that scared me Uh uh-huh it scared me to find myself there when I found myself there though it was in that moment it was like I could just feel God's two big hands just reach down and grab my chin because I was always looking down, you know, maybe dads, you see your daughters always looking down. I didn't feel worthy of eye contact. I didn't feel worthy, you know, around anyone. And it was like, God just whispered, look up, look up. And when I looked up, there were helpers. There were people that I wasn't rejected. I wasn't alone. You know, there was doctors, counselor, my family, my friends, my church just gathered around me. And they said, hey, love you. You matter. You know, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And so that's when I began to realize that help was not a four-letter word, if you will. It's not a bad word. Like, we need help. We were meant to help one another. We were meant to bear one another's burdens. So I began to kind of go on that road of healing and restoration. And God began to remind me of my childhood where that anxiety began. Okay, say more of that story. Yes. So I was born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. I have a twin brother. He did not have any physical disability. It was just me. And so I didn't realize that I was physically different from others because my mom and dad were very determined to not allow my disability to determine my ability in my life. Come on. Especially my dad. 
he said, this is not going to define who you are. And so, he would say that to you. Yes, he would say that. So it wasn't just implied in his actions. No, it was in his words. He told you. Right. And, you know, my dad, he was a part of that generation. You know, you show your love by your hard work. You take care of your family. You provide. And so, you know, that he provided physical therapy for me. He made sure I had that. I had to have surgery when I was a young child. But I did not realize I would hold my arm up all the time. That's because the way my muscles were when I was born. Well, all that changed in first grade for me. And a fellow classmate, he lived in my neighborhood. He played baseball with my brother. He gathered the whole class around me. I still remember it. I'm 40 years old now. I still remember this. And he said, hey, Karis, why do you look like that? Why do you do that? And he held up both of his arms the way I held my left arm up, kind of like a bunny rabbit. Uh-huh. He started hopping around me in circles. And wow. everyone laughed. Everyone pointed. And I realized in that moment, hey, I'm different. Different. I'm not like them. And I felt rejected and uh-huh. I felt embarrassed and ashamed. But I taught myself then to hide, hide it. Don't talk to anyone about it. Push it down. Pretend like it didn't happen. So then. Did you even tell your mom or I dad? I did not tell them. See how often dads hear what Karis is saying between her lines, that sometimes your daughter is carrying hurts and interpersonal you know, interactions where messages have been planted into her yeah. heart place. And so she may never tell you what happened, but you may see her behavior change. That's right. And her responses get bigger. And so you want her to just stop it and shape up. But remember, there's usually a backstory to the story, isn't there? That's right. And, you know, even when you said that, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. I didn't want I to let that him a down. Lot. You know? Mm-hmm. And he... He would not have been disappointed in me, but that is what I viewed within my own. You know, when you're young, you just create these pictures and it feels like truth to you. Yeah. What do you wish now you could have been able to say to your dad? I wish I could have just gone to him, tears and all, and said, Dad, this this little boy was mean to me today. Listen to what happened. And I think, you know, my dad... He probably would not have known what to do, but I think in that moment he would have wrapped his arm around me. Yeah. You know, even if he didn't have words, right. just he knowing just, he was there. Yes. He to would listen. Yes. And he would have, knowing him today, even watching him with my own daughters, he loves to just know about their life. He wants to know what's going on. So I do, looking back, wish I would have told my dad, told someone, you know, what happened, asked for that help. And dad, hear what she's saying again is that. Even if her dad didn't know what to say right, just his presence yeah, just to be is there. enough. That's right. Your presence when your daughter is having a meltdown. Let's just go with a really big general word, meltdown, which means she's having a big reaction, an overreaction, a, a tsunami Overly emotional yes. reaction. There's always something going on. And you may think, are you kidding me? You want to hear about real life problems? You're 13 and your outfit didn't work. Are you kidding me? But usually there's other things. It might be that she thinks other girls at school made fun of her yesterday. So now there's more pressure today to look a certain way or a body part or something that you're trying to hide. But now someone else notices it. Dad, there's often really, really deep things going on. And if you can approach your daughter from that place of, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt that yeah. she's not going to have a big reaction over nothing. That's right. There's something going on. There's more going on. And I think, too, for our for our dads, when they take on that role for their daughters of listener and not fixer, Come on. it gives the daughter space to process Beautiful. what is going on, what has happened, and to know that their, their father is going to sit in that space with them until they can get it all out. Yeah. Now, when you told your story, Karis, 
about the different people that stepped up when you hit your low low. Right. I have two questions. One is, how did your husband step in? Because some of you dads might also be a husband right now saying, my wife does deal with this. She's a daughter more than my daughters. So that's my first question is, how did your husband step in? And then number two, how did your dad step in when you were a tween into your story in your world? But first, your husband. So first for my husband, goodness, he was there. He had no idea what to do. No, he had no idea because when he married me, I was type A, get it done, do the work, you know, top of the class, like whatever it takes. I'll high be achiever. the best. Yeah. yeah. High achiever, perfectionist, if you will. Me too. Okay. So you uh, relate. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, I'll never forget when he walked into the hospital room where I was at and our two-year-old daughter was sitting there looking at me hooked up to an EKG machine because I thought I was having a heart attack. I was having a panic attack. And he walked in, eyes wide, and I felt embarrassed. I felt like I was disappointing him, but he was showing care and concern. So he took our daughter. When I got home that day, he was just like, I love you. I have no idea what to do, how to do any, you know, how to help, but I'm here. And that's what I needed to to know is that he was there. Because I can remember just asking him, please don't leave me. Please don't give up on me. He's like, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving, I just needed that constant, you know, affirmation, constant reminder. Yes, because you know, that anxiety, even for our twin girls, it's constantly, it's a loop in their mind. Uh So they need from their fathers or or wives need from their husbands that constant reminder, I'm here, I see you, I love you. Oh, you know, just look them in the eyes. Like you said, repeatedly. Yes, because they're getting those repetitive Uh messages from the anxiety. So they need the repetitive message of truth from their fathers, yeah, from their husbands. Did you just hear, man, what she said is the anxiety has a voice. When you say repeated messages and anxiety elephant, it literally is like it's an its own entity with its own voice, its own life, isn't it? That's it's right. like you have this weird relationship yeah. with we- this emotion. And that by, might be a new way for you men to think about it. Like, what? I thought it was just a feeling. No, it's like this intrusive other yeah. that's trying to stomp on you, right? And talking back to that voice is is going to mean you need to repeat. You might go, I already told her that I was never going to leave her. I was with her. And that might be the go step today for you, Dad. If you have an anxiety-ridden daughter, especially in her tween years, it doesn't have to last forever. But she's going to remember who was with her in the trenches that's saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. I love you. In other words, you're saying, I don't see you as your anxiety. I see you as you. That's right. Right? That's right. Even if you do little post-it notes in their mirrors on their bathrooms, oh, right? It's like you're reading my book. Okay. That's what I you give say. Dad's post-it notes, dry erase markers. Do right it. Right on her mirror. Yes. You know, I want to just, just put, put a few stats in here. Karis, you and I were talking about this before our interview about some of the important stats out there is just to know where your daughter is at within the culture is the... Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, they're called pediatrics, wrote an article that back between 2016 and 2020, there was a 29% increase in youth anxiety. And this is pre-pandemic. Goodness, yeah. I mean, I, I easily would say it could be doubled now. They highlighted that 8 million kids in America were suffering from anxiety. Oh, my goodness. This is a pandemic of, right. its, of its own kind, isn't it? 
And there is also a national organization. Listen to the name of this. They're actually called the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. It's actually its own organization as part of, a, 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 I would say, a widespread issue that they've created within our government, like organizations just to address and do research on this issue. And they say anxiety disorders are the most common mental health condition in our country. Number two, women are twice as likely to be affected by anxiety disorders than men. Number three, girls between the ages of eight and 18 are more prone to anxiety disorders and most presumably presumably, they say, because of hormonal changes. So, Dad, there's a high likelihood that your daughter is dealing with anxiety. What do you have to say about that, Karis? Yeah, I agree with that. And I even pulled up from the CDC. They reported this back in February. And this is teen girls that reported three and five felt persistently sad or hopeless. Persistently sad or hopeless. And that was double of what the boys felt. Double. Yes, double. So it is, and you're, and you're right, going back to those 8 to 18-year-olds, that estrogen that is pumping through their uh-huh. brain. I mean, it is so much more, and it's just got them wired. They're questioning their identity. They're questioning who they are. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. So it's like this foundation is being built yes. in their life of, of the loving voices, of the truth voices. So who's going to build that foundation? Oh, I love that. And we need our dads. We need our fathers. Yes. To be, and, you know, think about, so our house is a, it's like a brick house. And when you lay the bricks, it's not just one brick and you're done. It's multiple bricks. You have to continue to lay the brick. You have to glue them together. So it is a process. So yes. dads, it is a process. And yes, there are going to be days you wonder, are they listening? Do they hear me? Yes. And you're, and you're going to feel that frustration. But pause and think for a moment, the frustration they feel. Yeah. The overload of emotions they feel. Looking through their eyes. Yes. So just keep At their world. So just keep putting the brick on. Yeah. Keep I building love the it. brick, you know, just to give that maybe that's a visual that a dad out there needs because you're building a house yes. for them. I love and that. And what do you want it to look like? Come on. Right. Yep. Oh, I love that. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. When I come back, we'll continue talking with Kara Snyder about anxiety elephants. We'll be right back. Are you a dad who has ever desired a deeper connection with your daughter, but haven't known how to go about it? Let's Talk Conversation Starters for Dads and Daughters is the very resource you need. Dr. Michelle wrote it with you dads in mind. This book will support you with scripted questions, equip you to decode your daughter, and inspire you with stories of other dads and daughters. Don't wait any longer to be the hero you want to be and that your daughter needs you to be. So, to let the talking begin, head on over to drmichellewatson.com forward slash books and order your copy today. This book will become a favorite in your fathering toolbox and will give you the answers you've been looking for. That's drmichellewatson.com forward slash books. Now, back to the Dad Whisperer podcast. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Kara Snyder, author of an awesome book. You may want to get it. Read it alongside your daughter, Dad. Then you don't have to reinvent the wheel and come up with the words. They're right there. And the title of the book is Anxiety Elephants for Tween Girls. Now, define tween girls, Karis. Where would you say that age 
tends to fall? Absolutely. So in the publishing world, it falls around the 8 to 12-year-old range. Uh-huh. So you can probably, typically, I know within churches, children's ministry, they look at 10 to 12-year-olds. So I, if I'm giving my personal opinion, I would say 9 to 12-year-olds. 9 to 12. Okay. Truth is, dads, you know this already if you're in the trenches with that age. Hormones are already flying off the walls. I would say earlier than even when I was a girl. I, Some yes. people say, oh, it's hormones. They put in animal products and things. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Sugar. I think it's the sugar. sugar. There you go. It could be anything. But at the end of the day, who cares the why? We're just talking about the what. What's going on with your daughter and how? How can you dial into this space? Because think about there's something called a trauma bond, and it's the strongest bond two people can have, which means you went through something hard together. I think that's why there's a different kind of bond with moms and daughters, right? Good, or moms yeah. and sons because of going through the, the delivery process. But dad, here's where you can really step in and shine. And it's when you're in the trenches, when your daughter's going through hard stuff. And I was also very much like you, Karis. That's why I loved inviting you here to the Dad Whisper podcast, because I see so much of our story that sounds similar is I could never go to camp because I was too nervous. I was a high wound kid with perfectionism. I used to pick you know, on my face, I would pick at my head, my scalp, like nervous energy. I oftentimes had a hard time going to sleep at night. Yes, I took yes. more of my parents' time at night than my next sister down two years younger because I had so many things I needed to talk out that were going on. And I look back at that now going, you know, thankfully, my dad didn't make fun of me. Right. I think if you have a daughter, make sure you never criticize her or make, come up with a funny name. I think, oh, you're a nervous Nelly. Or, right. I mean, that just adds more label. shame and yeah. label to something that you're like, I, I need an intervention. And that's what I would love to focus on here at the end of our conversation. The second half is what can dads actually do to help bring grounding, which means your feet are on the ground. That's right. Because when you're anxious, it's I, I often picture it as kind of climbing up a ladder on the side of a wall. And if you have a fear of heights, you're up there way high up going, <laughs> um, you're hyperventilating, which means you're kind of taking shallow breaths. And I'll just throw in, because I have ideas here on this too that I love help it. me. Yes. If you tighten the muscles in your stomach, it helps move your anxiety from being in your chest where you're kind of <laughs> taking shallow breaths to taking deeper breaths. So dad, sit with your daughter and go, let's tighten our stomach muscles to the count of four. One, two, three, four. And now gently relax your stomach muscles. You're kind of focusing on inhaling at the count of four and then exhaling slow on the count of six. Dad, that might be a practical way that you can just sit with your daughter when she's having anxiety and then that safe touch. Hold her hand. Put If she doesn't like touch, put your hand perhaps on the top of her head or her shoulder. But that physical contact has been shown in research to calm the person that you're with. What other practical ways do you have that that maybe you wish you would have had from your dad or right. that you know have helped. Absolutely. When you were sharing, I was thinking back to my dad in those tween years because he did not know what to do. So he wasn't equipped. You know, that generation, he just, you just, you move on. You I suck it up and move on. Yeah. And yeah. at night, that was when I would struggle the most. So I feel like if he would have known some of these things and had been more equipped, you know, he could have helps me more. So a couple of things that I like to share with, with dads is when they're they're feeling that anxiousness and they're feeling overwhelmed, instead of saying to them, calm down, they want to calm down, yes. look at them and give them an action. Take a breath. Yes. Look at me. Take a breath and let them breathe and just give a pause. Like just let the whole moment uh. breathe. So when they can take that moment to take a breath 
it t- takes them out of that, those emotions that are keeping them from thinking clearly, having a rational, you know, getting those words out. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can tell them to just take a breath, that will help. We talked about being the listener and not the fixer. Just sit in the moment with them. We and our car, our car is where these amazing conversations happen, you know, because there's no eye contact going on. So they can talk and then my husband can just drive or I can just drive. So have some conversations in the car. Ask specific I questions. love that. Right? You know, find out what, who did you sit by in the lunchroom today? What, what happened in math today? And at first they may say, I sat by so-and-so. And then they may say, but I have to tell you what happened. Uh-huh. And then you're driving and, they're, and you're listening and they're talking. So car conversations are a great way to just allow them to express that anxiety. You know what? I love that you brought that up because I've had dads in the groups that I lead in the ABBA project say they have the best conversations in the car. And you know what I just had the thought of, which I've never put this together actually before, Karis, is that sometimes I've had parents say when their kids are toddlers or maybe even infants and they can't settle them down, but they love putting them in, a, in the car seat in the car. Right. And I, thought, I almost wonder if tween girls just have them go for a car ride. Yes. It's maybe replicating something from when they were younger. I, I love that. My older brother, because my dad worked for the railroad, so he would be gone quite a bit. Uh-huh. So sometimes he would step in and just have that role for my twin brother and uh-huh. I. And I remember I was getting ready to graduate high school and I have, was having just some anxiety. And he took me in the car and he drove me around. There you go. He drove me around for about an hour and just let me talk. And I'm like, okay, Deb, there's your action You got to do it. Yeah, you can just drive around. You're just driving and they're yeah. just they're just going. They're just talking. And research shows that men prefer shoulder to shoulder orientation. Whereas women were like, if I can't see your eyes, I don't know you're listening. So there's a win-win. Yes. You could do side by side in the car. Great way to help your daughter calm. And I love how even in your book you talk about even the the role of scripture or yes. as a worship leader. I too have found that sometimes singing a scripture song like can help. You know, something about what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Dad, you can read a psalm. Pick a psalm, any psalm. Just open up the psalm's point. That's right. Literally, you'll probably have a good likelihood that it'll match what your daughter needs. Yes, David will understand. You know, I love Psalms 94, 19, because it says, when anxiety is great within me, your Your consolation consolation brought me joy. To my soul, the depths of me. Yes, and, and it gives me, and it'll give your daughters permission and acknowledgement of the it's okay to acknowledge it and so when you read that scripture that their heavenly father that's there that's in his word so it's truth yes and it's living and it's active so to know that i can turn to him i don't have to run from him i don't have to be embarrassed or shamed he wants me to come to him so he can comfort me he can love me so your daughters can know they can be comforted and that situation so good and to dads can be that model of the heavenly father you know, to be there, to be that comforter, but to also show them how, model that, show them how to go to their heavenly father when they feel that anxiety. And I know this may sound crazy, but dads, run scenarios with your daughters. What is it that causes them anxiety? Is it a social moment? Is it a test? Well, practice some things. If it's studying for a test, how do you study? How do we prepare? Run those scenarios and just kind of get their brains Thinking about but what how do we run respond? the scenario? Like, so what to do different or what, what to do, do when she gets that's to right? Or what? So, let's say they get anxious about a math test. Okay. So, run through the scenario. Say, okay, Allie, when you sit down for the math test, where do you sit? 
and have her identify where she sits. What, let's say the test is on multiplication facts. Like, what is it about those that might make you feel anxious? Um. And let her run through that. And then you might could run through practicing some multiplication facts with her. So you just are kind of preparing her for that situation that might make her feel anxious. You know what almost makes me think about men in sports? How much of the time do you run the play ahead? You practice on the front end and you lay it out and you have a strategy. But I never thought about that really crossing over. Right. For him doing that with his daughter. Right. You see, or even in the lunchroom, if there is conversations or drama, as my daughters like to say, drama in the lunchroom. Well, how do we handle that? What what could we do if that situation mm-hmm. comes through? Yeah. So what you're doing is you're preparing them. You're giving them confidence in their problem-solving skills. There you go. And then you're helping them to see, oh, I, I can do this. It doesn't have to get the best of me. I can walk more more prepared and more ready when yeah. they situation. So then they don't feel kind of taken off guard by you, it. You know, another thing that I love is is like an icon or an object to hold on to. And I think about sometimes, like if you're a dad that travels a lot, maybe has younger daughters, is sometimes giving them a piece of your clothing that has your your scent on it from your cologne or whatever, or having that to hold on to. Dad, there could be something you give your daughter to carry with her to school. Good. It could be as simple as a penny that has the words in God we trust oh, on it, but good. you handed it to her. Or it could be a rock. I mean, think David put five of them in his, you know, right? in his pouch. Right? Put something on a rock. I mean, it could be that simple with a felt marker that just puts even a heart. Like, I'm with you. Hold this in your hand as you go into that hard situation, and it'll be as if I'm with you. I love that. You know, yeah. practical action steps, yes. right? That lets dads know that one, anxiety is real. She doesn't want it any more than you want her to have it. That's right. Don't put her down. Don't call her names. Know that that anxiety elephant is an intruder and you understand and you're with her. Oh, my goodness. There's so much more we could say about this. But I love the fact that you're even saying, Dad, in doing that, you are building a bridge to God as a father that I have not seen a verse in Scripture where God is saying, you puny wimp. You know, he calls people out on stuff. That's right. But he also says, I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, yeah. even in even an anxiety-ridden moment, right? right? We know it. And when Jesus was in Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is overwhelmed yes. to the point of death. And we see God in that moment strengthen him to continue to walk his journey. Oh, so if he'll good. do that for his son, he will do that for our daughters. Yeah. Well, I love that you've even shared verses that have meant something to you. Any others? That have been comforts. Philippians 4 8 helped me when those what ifs come to think on what is, what is true, what is pure, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. Because it takes you out of the uh, what if scary, you know, it takes you through those things of what might happen. And the what is grounds you back in the present, back in what is true. So that helps kind of get them out of those spiraling thoughts yeah. that can take them into a place that is terrifying. You know what that goes hand in hand with is something I do with my counseling clients often, which is to take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle from top to bottom, and then on the left side, put what feels true, and on the right side, put what is true. I love that. So it might feel true that all my friends are going to make fun of me, and I have no friends anymore, and she hates what I wore. What is true? That's her opinion. My dad thinks yes. I look awesome in this yes. outfit and sees how creative I That's was right. to put it together. But sometimes getting it out in front of you on paper 
actually goes with what you just said in Philippians 4, 8. My goodness, we could have so so many more things we we could talk about. But dads, are you hearing here that Karis and I are women that have lived through the tween years. We've lived to tell about it. And we're trying to normalize this and say, this is really typical that we're going to have anxiety. But for your daughter to know you're in it with her will mean everything. Well, I've got one final question because I love to end with one more go step kind of question is, if you were to give dads one idea today to put into motion to help conquer the anxiety elephants in their their lives, especially as tween girls or any age, what would you tell them would be one way to start today? I would tell them to be persistent in their messaging to their daughters that they are loved, they are seen, and they are there. And love just it. be there. Be oh. ready to hear, be ready to listen. Oh, I just love be it. present in the moment. Oh, I love it. Well, today has been on your mark how dads can conquer anxiety elephants with their tween girls. And if dads want to get a hold of you and your book, where can they find you? You can go to my website at karissnyder.com. Spell it. Yes. <laughs> I always do because yes. people are always wonder. It's C-A-R-I-S-S-N-I-D-E-R.com. There you go. Well, you've heard a lot of practical ways today for Get Set that you can help step into this space with your daughter. Lots of practical action steps. Dads, pick one of those and make it your go step today. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been so fun to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson-Canfield, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go Dads!